Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Greeny's got the day off. Bob will shoes it in. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests appear on the Goodyear Hotline. It is Greeny from New York City on ESPN Radio. ESPN Plus, the ESPN app, your smart speaker. Probably a good day for Greeny to be off with what I'm going to lead with. We've got Jeff Darlington coming up a little bit later on. I was like caught in traffic on the way here, but happy Happy to think that this is the Jet Bye Week. I've been doing Jet Radio for 20 years, and when the Jets are what the Jets are, it is nice to have a week off where maybe you take a break from them. Maybe everybody takes a step back, and you don't talk about the Jets. And then what am I listening to the entire way in this morning if you were listening on the radio to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max? I got LaDainian Tomlinson on, talking about the Jets. I'm hearing Robert Sala cuts, talking about Zach Wilson. I'm hearing Zach, and Will- Zach Wilson cuts. Entire segments talking about the poor Jets on their bye week. You can't get away from it. And you know what? Look, it's time for the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. We're going to get into Kyrie later on. Jeff Darlington is going to come up after the first break. We're going to talk NFL with him. Certainly have to talk about the John Gruden situation because he is covering the Raiders game this weekend. You can give us a call at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Hour number two, we'll definitely get into Kyrie. But I was going to talk about Lamar Jackson. I was going to talk about, you know, the struggles of Patrick Mahomes and how good Josh Allen's been and Justin Herbert might win the MVP. There's a million things going on in the NFL. And yet what was topic number one when I was listening this morning, driving in, was Zach Wilson. And I guess I've got a unique perspective on this. I think I know why. And the number one reason I think I know why is because of where I'm doing this show from right now. And that is we are in New York City. So to, to what I think what struck me about how this past week, the Josh Allen, Zach Wilson comparison that Robert Sala made was covered was it was looked at as, well, I kind of forgot that Josh Allen struggled as much as he did through the first five games of his career. All we're talking about is how bad Zach Wilson has been and how much he's struggled. He's a rookie in the NFL. This is a really, really hard job. It's hard to play quarterback in the NFL. And what Robert Sala was trying to do, at least on Monday when he was asked about the struggles of Zach Wilson again and how he was throwing you know, bubble screens at guys' ankles and threw another big pick and the Jets outscored like 100 to 10 in the first half. They've been off. I haven't scored a first quarter point yet this season. All of that, he's trying to defend his quarterback by saying, well, look at Josh Allen, how good he is right now. Go back to his first five games as a rookie. The numbers are almost identical, and he's right. But the point that everyone seems to be missing is no one remembers what Josh Allen did his first five games as a rookie quarterback in the NFL and I think the biggest reason why, because he did it in Buffalo, right? Like what, what's a big topic right now on ESPN radio? The struggles of Zach Wilson. You know what isn't a big topic right now on ESPN radio? The struggles of Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence has been, Trevor Lawrence has no wins. Zach Wilson has one. Look at their numbers. Trevor Lawrence is right there at the top of the NFL throwing picks left and right, just like Zach Wilson. He's turning the ball over in a way that he never in his life turned the ball over. He's already lost more games as an NFL quarterback than he did in his entire career as a high school and college quarterback. He didn't lose five games his whole life before he got to the NFL. He's lost his first five. You know why no one's talking about it? Because he's doing that in Jacksonville. I remember my first or second year doing Jet Radio. Herm Edwards is the coach. And right after the game's over, I had always hosted the pre- and post-game show. So I had stayed upstairs, in a studio, in the booth, back at the radio station, whatever. 
my job was not to cover immediately after games the post-game press conference. I was somewhere else. So my first year doing the Jets, they played the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jack Del Rio was the head coach. Mark Brunel was the quarterback. That's how long ago we're talking. This is 20 years ago. But it struck me, and it was something that always, as just a picture speaks a thousand words, lasted with me to this day. The difference between playing here and playing someplace like Buffalo or Jacksonville or a much smaller market. In old Giant Stadium, when you used to walk from the elevator to the home team press conference room, you had to pass by the visiting team press conference room. So the Jets play a game against Jacksonville, come down off the elevator, make a left down the tunnel, look into the visiting team press conference room where Jack Del Rio is going to come in and he is going to do his post-game press conference. There were two television cameras, like eight total people, two television cameras, basically an empty room ready to cover Jack Del Rio's post-game press conference. I walked 50 yards down the hallway, walked into Herm Edwards' post-game press conference. There were 18 television cameras and like 75 people in the room. And I was like, there it is. There's the difference between signing up to be either a coach or a quarterback or a free agent playing in New York City and then going to Jackson, where, look, Jacksonville's an NFL team. You're getting paid the same. The wins count the same. If you go to Super Bowl, you get to hold up the same trophy. You're playing in the same league, but it's different. It is different. And that's what Zach Wilson, it's not his fault. He got drafted, but that is the added layer on what he is now forced to go through doing this job. Right? Like I remember when Mark Sanchez was the quarterback of the Jets and Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. And you looked at the two players and what their numbers were, and they were like identical. And no one ever said a word. I don't even know if half the people in the country that watched football knew Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. And yet Mark Sanchez was like nightly lampooned for his mistakes on Sports Center and national sports talk shows because he played in New York, because he played for the Jets. That's just the way it goes. I mean, we'll talk to Jeff Darlington, our NFL insider, coming up about this uh, in a couple of minutes. But I, I even draw a baseball parallel. I remember doing this show or Barton Hahn or whatever it was a couple of years ago when Manny Machado signed a contract to play in San Diego. And I remember saying at the time, and I had a million people from San Diego screaming at me on Twitter, and rightfully so, defend your town. You should. It's your town. Be prideful in it, right? I mean, San Diego's paradise. There's no place in America I enjoy traveling to more than San Diego. But I remember at the same time saying that when Manny Machado signed to play with the San Diego Padres, welcome to baseball's witness protection program. You had a choice to go to maybe the Phillies, maybe the Red Sox, maybe the Yankees, right? You could have gone to a big, big, everybody's paying attention to it. Everybody's living and dying with it. You're on the back page of the tabloids, everyday baseball town in the Northeast, and you chose to sign a contract to go play with the San Diego Padres. You're telling me a little bit about what you want when you do that. You just are, right? I mean, this past year, what what team in baseball had more talent and was more disappointing than the Padres? Fired their manager. Have you heard one telephone call to any national sports talk show anywhere? Flip the, I guarantee, spend a week. Travel up and down the dial. Look for every possible sports talk show you can find and find me one person in America that even knew the Padres fired their manager, much less cared. Could you imagine if the Yankees had had that season? Yankees at least got to a wild card. 
right? And now we're debating back and forth after not having a losing season in Brian Cashman's 25 years as the general manager. There is a legit debate going on in New York City over whether he or Aaron Boone should either or both be fired. You know why? Because it's here. And sort of circle it back to what Zach Wilson's going through right now. That's why you can draw a parallel in all ways but one between what Zach Wilson's going through and what Josh Allen went through as a five, you know, the first five games of his rookie year uh, as a quarterback in the NFL. Zach Wilson's doing it here. It is different here. It just is. And that's just something else that he's going to have to carry and get through. I think he will. I think he'll be stronger for it when he does. But it is different. And that is the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract no compromise. By the way, you can be a part of Greeny Nation. The Dr. Pepper call-in line is available at 888 espn 888 ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. College football is heating up, and fans are hyped. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. We're going to come back. We're going to talk with Jeff Tarlington when we uh, you know, get back after a quick timeout. And uh, he, again, is going to be out covering the Raiders game this weekend. So interested to get his perspective on what he expects to walk into. And uh, I don't know, maybe at least in the short term, a way that that franchise and that team can bond together over what is a really difficult situation. We'll talk with Jeff Darlington about that next. Bob Oshusen in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Greeny, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Bob Oshusen, in for Greeny, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, the app, your smart speaker, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests appear on the Goodyear hotline. We'll get to the phones at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. But on the Goodyear hotline is Jeff Darlington, as promised, making the plays that move you forward. Goodyear more driven. Another tearful reunion for me and Jeff Darlington. Thanks for doing this again with me. I appreciate it. What's up, Bob? How are we doing? You're like the short straw guy. When Greeny's out, they call you. Will you go on with the schlunker that comes in and fills in for him? You're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's not, it's, uh, I, think, I think you're on the short, short end of this deal, too. No, uh, no, no, we'll no. We're just the B team. Yeah. You know, you know what? I'm happy to Greeny, be. When it's, it's Greeny and Schefter. It's, uh, it's me and you. You know, yep. whatever. Uh, we'll make the most of it. I, you know, those guys actually go. make NBA money. I wish we made what amounts right. to, like, NBA bench money. I would take that. But, mm-hmm. you know, we can be. We'll take bench money. Yeah, we can wallow in our own insignificance together. All right. So, Jeff Darlington, you are, now you're covering Broncos Raiders this weekend? I am, yes. What are you expecting to walk into? 
I, I think that at least by that point, based, I mean, I've talked to a few of the players in Las Vegas already this week, and I, I think the one thing that is probably important to remember is while it is very easy, I want to be careful with the way I say this, it's very easy for all of us to, to have quick and sharp opinions and uh, generally justified opinions about John Gruden based on what we've read and seen and the emails that, that were leaked. Um, the guys in that locker room have a different relationship with John Gruden. And I'm talking um, ac- across racial lines. Uh, there's guys in there that, that this was their head coach. This is their leader. And they're having to deal with the abrupt realization that that is no more. Um, while also obviously having to also digest what was in those emails. So I think that this is a trickier thing for those players to deal with than um, than maybe for the rest of us because they are dealing with it on an everyday basis. Yep. Did How any that will did, impact the product on the field? I don't know. Did any of the guys, I don't know if you could share with us who you spoke with or maybe just generally what they said. Maybe some of it was off the record. I don't know. So you tell us what you well, feel comfortable telling us, but what did you get from some of the players that you spoke with? Well, generally, like, it didn't go down the road of, like, how they feel about Gruden. And, I, I mean, I'll be honest, there's more reporting to be done before I'm really, truly reporting this on Sunday. But the initial, the initial reaction was, like, man, like, Gruden's our guy. And then all of a sudden he's gone. Like, there was definite disappointment. Um, and I'm not saying disagreement, but disappointment that all of a sudden a guy that that they truly did covet as their head coach. I mean, he's, you could say what you want about him um, outside of the locker room, but inside that locker room, he was a very popular head coach. Uh, and, and I think that that's going to take some time for these players to digest. Uh, and while it might feel, you know, while it might be easy for us to say, well, get over it. Um, this is a, a shock to their system and, and they're going to have to navigate that. And, uh, and kind of move forward with their jobs. Yeah. The thing that shocks me about it is that, and again, this is my white privilege ignorance, right? Like, I live a life that is completely different than someone who is a different skin tone than me because I'm never going to walk in their shoes. But sports is supposed to be our safe haven from this. And when you even see it, you know, creep into the world of sports, and overtly, I'm sure... I'm sure people of color are saying, look how few people of color are in decision-making positions or our head coaches or our team owners, none, or our general managers. You know, there's still this underlying thing to me in sports of all of these different people from all of these different races and all of these different backgrounds getting along and working towards a common goal and being teammates. And you see a black guy and a white guy with arms around each other celebrating wins and crying in each other's arms after they lose the Super Bowl or something like that. That, like, sports is supposed to be our salvation from this. And when it even gets into the sports world this overtly, you know, it just, it's, it, I think it hits me a different way when that happens. Well, I think it hits the players a different way, too, um, because that's, that's exactly right. And I think that that's the troubling thing for them to digest. And I find that actually after um, it happens after really most controversies um, in the locker room where suddenly a person, and I'm not just talking about um, this situation, but, but where a person is suddenly seen by the public in a different light. And it's easy for all of us to suddenly just switch gears and be like, okay, that's now 
who that person is in our perception. In a locker room, these guys spend every day together from the second they wake up to generally the second they go to sleep, um, especially during a football season. So to have, have to suddenly digest that and change the perception you have of someone you feel like you know really well, I find that to be um, some of the most confusing times for these players in these locker rooms. Yeah, it must be really, really hard emotionally to deal with. That's the other thing, too, that we don't think about sometimes in the world of like fantasy football and all we're looking at is stats. I mean, these guys are human beings, right? I was having this conversation. Yeah. I was doing a podcast with Dan Orlovsky and Scott Pioli, and I was having this conversation with Scott in, in you know, kind of in the uh, – the context of dealing, say, with like a Ben Roethlisberger situation, where it's easy for all of us to say, Ben Roethlisberger's washed, he can't do this anymore, he's over the hill, we have to move on. Mm -hmm. But Scott Pioli's like, well, wait a minute. You know, you're saying that as a fan from the outside, a member of the media, somebody who's got Ben Roethlisberger on their fantasy team. I'm the guy, if I've got the general manager job, that has won, lost, bled, cried, celebrated, whatever, with Ben Roethlisberger for the better part of Mm -hmm. 15 years I have to sit across from this guy and look him in the eye and actually have the human being to human being conversation. And with this, you know, with with this coming out with John Gruden, I mean, he's that guy to all of these players, right? So now you have to have these human being conversations that we don't even think about. Yeah, I mean, and, and it happens. I mean, like, there's all sorts of situations when it has happened, and I think people are like, "Wait a second, what? You're defending that person?" And it's like, well, the relationships are a little bit different. Uh, and again, I think over time, you find that those people wind up being like, yeah, you know, that, that wasn't right and that's inexcusable. But um, I, I tend to, when I listen to players talk about it, I, I tend to have a little bit more sympathy for what they're going through just on a day-to-day basis because it is so difficult to digest for them. ESPN NFL insider Jeff Darlington with us here on the Goodyear Hotline. Bob Wachus and Infragrini, ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. All right, let me get to, look, if there's a pie chart to this issue, like 10% of it is the football. I mean, the much larger issue mm-hmm. is the racism, the misogyny, the, you, know, you know, the fact that that still exists in a way in the NFL that, um, that needs to be dealt with, but even just for the Raiders. I'm wondering... Like in any other sport, you can't stand in front of a baseball team and give the win one for the Gipper, it's us against the world speech, and have them run through a brick wall. Right? They play 162 games. And even hockey and basketball, they play 80-game regular seasons. They're all going to the playoffs. Every night in those sports kind of feels like another day at the office. But in football, there's only 17 of these. So is there a way that this is going to bond this team in almost a, a law of unintended consequences where – you know, you are now the the coaching staff. Like, you can give that us against the world, everybody in this locker room's got to bond together kind of a speech and have it work in football. Do you think we see that on the field when the Raiders play the Broncos on Sunday? Um, the only problem I have with that is that I, I, agree, I love the romanticism of it, but the reality is that football is also an incredibly difficult game from a game-planning perspective. That's and true. human emotion can only get you so far. And suddenly when you take the leader of that, that you know, you take your, your general off, the, off the, the field here and it's now up to people who aren't used to game planning to do that, um, I think the reality is, is that it's a lot more difficult. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there's a reason why the Raiders hired John Gruden on a 10-year deal for $100 million. And, and he, does, he does it different. And other people, other head coaches do it different. There is value in that. So 
I'm a little, I'm, I'm inclined to think that maybe there is some romanticism that'll get us, get them through this. But at the same time, the reality is, um, as one actually assistant coach told me the other day, you know, just a horrible day. One week ago, um, we're sitting there, what were they three and oh, you know, one week ago, we're three and oh, and feeling like we're on top of the world. And now that now we're sitting here like this and Derek so, Carr. I mean, Derek Carr alone, yeah. who has probably felt like this first month, month and a half of the season, I'm starting to show everybody that I can do this, that Gruden and I can do this together. Sure. And now not only does he lose that, but he loses the guy in his headset. Like he loses the architect yeah. of his offense, his play caller, his, his head coach, but his offensive coordinator as well. Like, What about just the mechanics of what Derek Carr is going to be hearing in his ear on Sunday? Right. Well, no doubt. I mean, think about the any time that a team winds up with an interim coach. Um, I guess the only time I'm, I'm thinking about it is is maybe like the Colts when Chuck Pagano um, had to have his cancer treatments and they had to go to Bruce Arian, and they were so fortunate that they had someone like Arians there. I will say the Raiders do have. I mean, I know they're going with their special teams coaches, their interim, but they've got like they've got guys, you know, from Greg Olson to Gus Bradley to Marinelli. Like they've got guys on that staff who at least have some significant coaching experience to potentially get them through this. Generally speaking, when we have an interim coach situation, though, it's because the team is failing badly. That's what I think makes this especially unique for the Raiders this year. ESPN NFL insider Jeff Darlington. A couple of more minutes with him here on ESPN Radio. Bob Wischus and Infogreeny, ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. All right, let me change gears just a little bit, but keep it in the same division. Chiefs. Where are you on the panic meter? Where do you think somebody should be on the panic meter with how their offense especially has struggled? They, I mean, right, right now, Patrick Mahomes is down at the bottom of the list with the, you know, the, the, the Trevor Lawrences, the rest of the rookie, and Zach Wilson, yeah. the rest of the rookie quarterbacks in terms of how much they are turning the ball over. Well, and, and perhaps even more disconcerting than that, when we think of Patrick Mahomes, we think of the deep ball, and there's guys from Mac Jones to Taylor Heineke, Heineke to – um, Zach Wilson, who have more 20-yard completions, 20-plus-yard completions than Patrick Mahomes does right now. Uh, you know, Leslie Frazier, the Bills' defense coordinator, said they didn't blitz a single time this past week because they feel like that's a better way to defend Patrick Mahomes, make him beat you over the top, um, and don't, don't pressure him because he handles the blitz so well. I will always vote for Patrick Mahomes to overcome these types of things. But – I also am sitting here saying the defense is so bad right now for the Chiefs. And I'm like, are, are the Chiefs trying to play like ball control offense? And if they're making a deliberate effort to do that because of the way the defense is playing, I hope they abandon it and just get into shootouts. <laughs> right. Because I feel, like, yeah, I feel like this team has a better chance if it's 55 to 52 than if they try to do this ball control thing and, and try to be perfect. Like you got to let, you know, we say let Russ cook. Man, you got to let Patrick Mahomes cook. But you got to let him do his thing. And his thing is not ball control offense. His thing is making magic. Yeah. So it's not too it's not too late by any means. But if anybody told you that the, the Chiefs were going to be two and three after five weeks, um, I mean they they better make residence in Las Vegas because they got a different calling in life. Yep. And maybe if they can just clean up the turnovers alone, they'll flip a switch. Yeah, that's a big help. But I don't know how you flip the switch with that defense. The defense is tough, man. Oh, that, that defense and they're giving up over right seven now. yards a play. Like you, you can't yeah, live like that in the NFL. Understand. I mean, maybe you could tell me, Bob. I, I don't understand what is so different about the defense this year than I don't last year. I don't know. You're right. Don't like know. I was, I was watching with I was watching with my wife, who's from Kansas City, and doesn't know anything about football, but pretends to be a fan when the Chiefs are playing. And she's like, "Well, what's the difference?" 
and I wanted to be this sophisticated football guy who works for ESPN. And I looked at her, and I was like, I I mean, I don't know. They're just playing bad. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Right. Well, you can't answer your wife who doesn't know anything about football. You know that she's have a problem. Hundred percent. I'll I'll uh, I'll be watching everything you have to say. Um, you know, with with very interested eyes and ears on Sunday because you are going to be covering a game that has a lot of different branches to the story than just. I mean, most yeah, of the time you guys are going out and uh, and you know and you're covering a football game for for our shows on Sunday, but you're going to be covering much more than just a football game on Sunday when you're uh, when you're taking a look at Raiders Broncos. So thanks for doing this. No doubt, man. Appreciate it. All Thanks right. for having me. That is Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL insider. Greeny, by the way, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, and boat. Visit Progressive.com. We'll get to the phones at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. You know, thinking about Patrick Mahomes and how we had basically put his bust in Canton a couple of years ago that we were going to watch this guy revolutionized the way that we play quarterback in the NFL. And now you see him dipping in his career. And who's the next guy on the upward swing? Well, we're back to Lamar Jackson, right? Like Lamar Jackson a couple of years ago is the MVP. He dipped a bit last year. Now he's back in the MVP conversation. Josh Allen. Josh Allen is ascending. Justin Herbert. All of these guys, though, it seems at some point, go into dips and swales during their careers. The thing that struck me thinking about how we we're talking about Patrick Mahomes a couple of years ago, even last year, and how we're talking about him this year, and how there are different guys that kind of go. I mean, Baker Mayfield, how many different roller coaster opinions have you heard about Baker Mayfield in the four years he's been in the NFL? Think about Tom Brady. We have not once in 20 years changed our opinion of what Tom Brady is as a quarterback. From the time he came in in relief basically as a rookie and won the Super Bowl, all he has done every single year for two-plus decades is win. Think about that. Think about that level of consistency. you got guys that are in five and six years into their careers in the NFL right now where opinions about them, how good they are, how good they can be, has already changed three or four times in the first four, five, six years that they're in the NFL. We have never, not one time, in 20 years, changed our opinion of what Tom Brady is, and it's just amazing. I mean, I know it all too well, spending two decades calling games of the team that (laughs) was trying to fight against him. Um, The level of consistency is unlike, I think, anything we will ever see again. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Got some open lines. Josh, I think, is in New Orleans, and he joins us here on ESPN Radio. He has been patient. Hey, Josh, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. You got uh, it. You're holding it down. I, lo- I love the show. Um, I-, I know you got a lot to talk to about, and you know the the last bit was about Gruden and whatnot. Sure, you can talk uh, about that. Gay man, I just I just I just wanted to call and, and ask your opinion on something because I do agree that n- none of the email content should be allowed in the NFL. I think it's demeaning to multiple uh, demographics. But I also just wanted to ask your opinion on. You know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers recently removed Gruden from their Hall of Ring of Honor or whatever they have going on down there. I just want to hear your opinion on knowing the egregious emails that John Madden, I mean, not John Madden, John Gruden sent, but they are also employing currently Antonio Brown, who has sent out multiple, multiple Instagram and tweets about no more white women 2020, homophobic tweets 
I wanted to hear your opinion on, you know, them taking him out of the ring of honor, which I do agree is, is the correct move. What's your opinion on them employing someone who, as of recently, almost a year or a half ago, made an Instagram post saying no more white women? I mean, if a white player said that no more black women, he'd be removed from the team. I just well, look, I think An- Antonio Brown, to me, like Antonio Brown is not anybody that I would want anywhere near my organization. I agree with that. He has a different relationship where Tom Brady seems to be able to rehabilitate him and keep him on the straight and narrow. But if you're talking about whether or not I think it's appropriate or inappropriate, say, for a team to remove someone from their ring of honor that doesn't reflect what they think ring of honor level representation of their organization should be, I have no problem with that. Rings of honor are different. It's not even just the Hall of Fame. We think of the Hall of Fame, obviously, as the ultimate, and it is, right? But there are players, and I can think of several examples here in New York, of players that are inducted into the ring of honor or have their number you know, retired by an organization for reasons that go beyond what they were just as players. Right, like there, there's like I work the Jet games. My partner's Marty Lyons. He has been inducted into the Jets Ring of Honor, and I gave his induction speech. And in his induction speech, I said, and it, the people were kind of laughing because it almost sounded like an insult. I said, "Look, Marty Lyons is never going to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He is never going to be inducted in Canton. He is never going to have a bronze bust, you know, next to all of the greats. But he belongs as a first round draft choice." into any ring of honor that talks about someone as a man, as a dad, what they do for the community. He has a foundation based on Long Island, but now has like a dozen chapters all up and down the East Coast where he basically does his own Make-A-Wish foundation for children. So if you have a child with a a, a life-threatening or terminal illness, and that family has spent every dime on medical care, and this kid wants to go to Disney World... He's going to send that family to Disney World. He's going to help that family get a new wheelchair, build a ramp up to their house, you know, let that kid go and meet Taylor Swift. I mean, he he basically brings as much sunshine as he possibly can to the lives of these kids. That matters. That matters to an organization because you are like Adam Graves. If you're a Ranger fan, you're probably, if you're going to talk about the greatest players to play for the Rangers, get at least eight or ten deep before the name Adam Graves even starts to... But if you start talking about the best people that have ever been around the organization, Adam Graves' name is going to be the first name you bring up because of the guy he is, the charitable work that he does away from the ice, the way that he represents that organization. And teams value that with rings of honor. So there, there will be teams that will induct players coaches, general managers, executives, people into their ring of honor based in large part on how they conduct themselves and how they, you know, they, they kind of, uh, you know, represent the organization. And that's why I, I do not have a problem with an organization saying, you know what, that's not what our ring of honor is about. That type of behavior, that type of person. I have no problem with it. Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. 
That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Bob Oshusen in for Greeny. Back to the telephones. We'll do a little Kyrie Irving at the top of the next hour, but we do have some football calls lined up and some baseball as well. Let's get Anthony in Brooklyn up next here on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Anthony. Bob, I appreciate you taking the phone call. I'm a big fan. Thanks. Listen, as a lifelong, before I say my jet point really quick, Kyrie Irving has been nothing. I'm a big Brooklyn Nets fan, too. From I'm a young guy, but since Keith Van Horn, Kerry Kittles. All, all Kyrie Irving has been for us is across the bear. And I, I'm sure you'll get into that later on in the show, which I'm looking forward to. Listen, as a humongous Jets fan, and, and, and follow me on this, as different as the Jets look, looks-wise, is the same as they looked from the last couple years. It's not, though. Nothing... It's not. Nothing looks different. Come yeah, on. Like, it's a little, it's a little, I know it, it's hard to say that when they keep losing, but last season when they were, you thought they were going to lose every game. If you go back and look at the first half of last season, it felt like every time they lost the game, they lost like they lost in Denver, right? Like it felt like they lost 26 to three every single game that they lost. Non-competitive. And granted, the first half this past week against Atlanta was non-competitive. But they got the game back to one score. They got the game to an onside kick. Opening day against Carolina, even in a loss, they got the game to an onside kick. They did win a back-and-forth crazy game with a nutso crowd at MetLife Stadium against Tennessee. So I get it. They're still losing. The quarterback is throwing interceptions. He looks like a rookie quarterback, but... It's not like they are more competitive so far this season than they were last year. They are. We we got listen, and and I want to say this: Salah looks like, from what I've seen, from what everybody said, he's a dynamite guy. You know what I'm saying? He 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 seems really energetic about it. I'm not thrilled, and that's fine. He's a defensive guy. We got him from the 49ers. 49ers defense was great under him. With that being said. I was not thrilled about the hire of the floor. I don't think that was the answer. He was underneath the Shanahan. Everybody agrees that Shanahan is an offensive genius. That's non-debatable. That's a non-debatable fact in the NFL right now. He's a young genius. How do you grab him from underneath Shanahan and think he's the man for the job? He was, he was working underneath somebody. He well, that's where all, but that's where all offensive coordinators together. come from. Where do you think offensive coordinators come from? They, they come from being a position coach, a quarterback coach, the right-hand man to a big-time offensive coordinator or a head coach that acts as an offensive coordinator. Anthony, thanks for the call. That's where they come from. This is not Mike LaFleur. This is a rookie quarterback. All right, what I talked about before, how there is no doubt in my mind playing in New York is different. It just is. You know how you know it's different? Watch Zach Wilson and some of the mistakes he makes. This past weekend, he hit an offensive lineman in the back with a wide-open screen pass. Rushed it, didn't let the screen develop, and threw the ball into the back of his offensive lineman. He had a bubble screen set up to Jamison Crowder that if you look at the All-22, if it's not a walk-in touchdown, he's going to go from the 15-yard line down to about the 3-yard line before he's going to be tackled. He's going to be one-on-one in with 15 yards of space and half the field left and right to get in the end zone with a safety that's running from 30 yards away to try and come and tackle him. It was the perfect call in the perfect spot. And Zach Wilson rushed the throw and threw the ball at the guy's feet. 
So when I talk about playing quarterback in the NFL is hard, playing quarterback in New York City is harder, that's all you need to see. Like throwing a nine-yard screen to a wide-open receiver with no one between you and him? I mean, that that for an NFL quarterback, that should be like you and me getting up out of a chair and walking across a room without tripping. That should be the easiest thing for him to do. And yet, you can, you literally can see all of the conflicting wheels spinning in his head when he throws the ball at that guy's feet. So right now, the play caller is dealing with that. And it'll get better. He'll go through this, and it'll get better. But don't think for one second that this is about, you know, play structure and play call. He's got a rookie quarterback being a rookie in the NFL. It's hard. Another hour coming up. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.